0: Amen. What a great job, worship team. Can we give them a round of applause for just ushering us into the presence of the King? That was amazing. Thank you so much. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound to your ears. Amen? Today you're going to hear some stories that I believe are sweet, sweet sounds to the ears of God. And you have been an incredible part of making each one of these stories happen. My name is Lance Lang, and I am the founder of Hope is Alive Ministries. And you might remember I was here about a year ago telling you a little bit about my story. And today you're going to get to hear a little bit about what God is doing through Hope is Alive through a few other people's stories. How many of you have a story to tell? Anybody? Of what God's done in your life? Come on, I'm going to wait for a few more of you to raise your hands. I want to challenge you from the get-go this morning to tell you this. You have a story to tell. Amen? You have something that someone else needs. Your past. Your struggles. Your victories. Your triumphs. What's going on in your life today? Someone needs to hear what you have to say. God has given you a story. My challenge to you today is this week... To tell somebody your story. Anybody going to receive that challenge today? Is Anybody brave enough? I'm challenging you this week to tell your story. I believe that might, right now you might be a little hesitant by the time this service is over, Pastor. They're going to hear a couple stories that I believe will really challenge your heart. And help you to get out and tell your story. I believe we all have something to say. Well, I'm so thankful for this church and for your pastor It takes a a pastor that is willing uh, to trust. It takes a pastor that has a heart for the brokenhearted and those that need healing to believe in what we're doing. So thank you, pastor, for believing in us, taking our meetings, setting with us. And thank you, church, for investing in us. Uh, Your incredibly generous love offering last time I was here has gone on to help change people's lives. In fact, many of them that are in our program in Tulsa are here with us today as Pastor alluded to earlier. So if you're a resident in Hope is Live Homes in Tulsa, would you just stand up real quick? Now give these folks a round of applause. Look at all these people. So I'm not done, just one second. Here's something that we oftentimes do, and I'm going to be right there with you. Sometimes we give to things, right? Nod your head if you're with me. And we don't really get to see what happens in those places. We might see something on social media, and that's great. Don't sit down yet. But oftentimes, we don't get to see the tangible fruit of what's going on. Just for a moment, just gaze right over at these beautiful people. These are real human beings with families, with moms and dads, with children, with people that have great futures ahead of them. And that's what you're investing in, radically changed lives give them one more round of applause as they sit down i'm so proud of you You guys can sit down they took time out of their day this is not a required deal we throw these out um, to our residents and we ask if they will come and support those that are speaking and say thank you the churches that are supporting us and and a large number of them came today so make sure you go hug their neck or shake their hand in a flu friendly way um, after the service is over well, if you remember, it was a year ago. I know we've all slept a lot since then, but I'll tell you this real quickly about my story. I had come through addiction. Uh, my, my dad's a Baptist pastor, so I grew up on the front pew of the Baptist church in Pryor, Oklahoma. I had came through about seven years of addiction myself, and I found myself in a drug and alcohol treatment center. And I made my way through 90 days of treatment, and while I was at that facility, God really put a call on my life. And honestly, it was very simple. The word that I heard over and over was impact. God's called you to make an impact, Lance. Tell your story, make an impact. That's all I really knew it was to be. And so my answer to that was yes, right? When God calls us, we just try to be obedient with a yes and that's all I really knew to do. And so all kinds of opportunities began to open their way up to me and I just tried to say yes in every way that I could. Whether it was a small Bible study led with a few recovering addicts on a Wednesday night or whether it was going to tell my story in different churches around the state, I was just trying to say yes. How many of you just tried to say yes to what God leads? You really don't know where you're going or what the path will lead. You just try to say, yes to what's in front of you. Well, lo and behold, the next thing I really believe God was calling me to do was to open a house and move in with five drug addicts. Have you ever felt that call on your life? Um, It's an interesting one. You think your house is crazy. um, You should come see some of ours, right guys? Um, But that was what he asked me to do, and that was five years ago. I moved in to a house, and God brought us five young men who were looking to change their lives, and I ended up living in that house for close to four and a half Years and God has done an incredible work in the life of our ministry in just five short years. You're going to hear a lot about the stories that have taken place here in the past year or so, but I'll just tell you as of this morning, we have eight homes and over 80 people in those homes, and that's just in a matter of five years. And the stories that have been produced. A mom stepping back into their family's lives. Fathers stepping back into their sons' and daughters' lives. Young people going back to college. Men and women finding their purpose. Stuff that will inspire you to go and make a change in your life. It's just incredible what God has done. Well beyond anything I could have ever dreamed of. Don't we serve an Ephesians 3.20 God though? A God that can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. Amen. That's the God we serve, and that's what he has done at Hope is Alive Ministries. So today, we're going to take you through a couple stories. You're going to hear from two or three different people. We're going to watch a really cool video as well. Again, thank you so much for your support of what we're doing. I'm going to tell you a little bit more in a second how you can get involved in some of the things that we have for you today. But a young man was with me last time I was here, and it was just him for Tulsa at the moment. And his name was Devin, and he waved just like that last time we were here, and I introduced him. And he's just a great young man. He has come through our program. And he is a graduate and now our market manager for our men's side of things in Tulsa. I'm not going to take any of his story. I'm going to let him share. But would you give him a very big welcome this morning, Mr. Devin Arnold.
1: Hello. Does anybody remember about a year ago when just Lance and I came out? Just up at the top. Hi. Nice seeing you. Hey, before I say anything real quick, um, I want to say thanks to Pastor DJ. You guys have an awesome pastor or what out here? Can we give him a hand real quick? I remember uh, when I met Pastor DJ before we'd even had the house out here, just a few months before we came out. And maybe this is just my experience, but I want to share this real quick, because sometimes we get moments that are worth kind of reliving. And I had one last night, but DJ has always been very calm, collective, outgoing, and extremely funny. Do you all get that a lot around here? So last night, and I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm one of those guys, if I'm sick or bad weather comes up, I don't like to leave for nothing, period. And I totally started freaking out last night because there was ice in the Tulsa area, and I was thinking, man, what if we can't make it out here? What if it's not a safe drive? And I literally panicked so bad, I texted DJ late last night. And I was like, hey, bro, is church going to be open tomorrow? Because I am really worried about this. And with the coolest, calmest reply ever, he's like, hey, man, if the roads are bad, don't risk it. Don't come. It's not a big deal. He said, worst case scenario, I'll just shave my head and get up there like Lance. (laughs) (laughs) Laughter With the winky face afterwards, you know how it goes. And uh, I just love that, Pastor. You are always living in God's peace and for God's people, and we're just super proud and honored to be up here today. I'm actually not going to go over a lot on my story, Uh, very similar to Lance's. I have been blessed with just a little over 27 months clean and sober by the grace of God, and thank you. Thank you. But I wanted to share a couple moments worth reliving. I remember when I came into these doors, the two things that really struck me, and keep in mind, I was not following God's will for a long time, so when I walked into a church, I kind of half expected to just burst into flame at the moment. So this is a big deal to me, but when you walk into this church, the first thing you notice is how friendly everybody is, and I'm not kidding. Guys... The way you all do things here and the way you treat guests that walk in the door, that's a huge deal. It means a lot to me and to these residents sitting out here today. It really does. I see them nodding their heads right now. And I'll never forget the generosity that we received from you all. just blew my mind. Coming in here, we had just opened that house. It was just Lance and myself. None of these faces were sitting here today. And I just want to tell you a little bit about what God's done over this past year. We have filled an entire men's home, so I've currently got 10 guys, most of which are sitting right here today, and I'm talking guys that came in that were absolutely broken, had nothing going for them. They come straight out of treatment. I'm talking about no jobs, no vehicles, no family trust, and God is restoring those through all these men. We have husbands that have improved their family relations, we're talking about Fathers that have gotten to spend time with their kids again. We just started this last February, and by the grace of God, not including myself, I've already got three gentlemen that have come into our program and have over a year of continuous sobriety, and we just started this a year ago. God's not finished yet, though. We just opened a women's house in December. It has already filled up. We have close to 20 residents how many ladies have had salvation since you've opened? We've had two salvations since December just at the women's house since it's opened up. I'm, <laughs> praise God, I'm telling you. God is not finished. We have a huge announcement coming up, and guys, I'm super excited for this one. Coming up right around March 1st here, we will be opening our third Tulsa home, our second home for men Two miles from the house we've got in Broken Arrow already. That is so exciting. I want to give you an opportunity to hear a story, though. Uh, I've got a resident. I'll never forget meeting this guy. His name is Justin. And he came into my house in June. He was broken. He was angry. He had not much going on for him. But he started out with just a mustard seed of faith. He believed in Christ, and we've heard the parable before, and with little faith, God says the mountains will move, and the mountains have moved for you, my brother. He came in. He had no vehicle, nowhere to go, was completely angry like I just mentioned, and listen to how God has transformed his life. He has gotten a job. He has since then been promoted to manager. It's for GNC and Broken Arrow. His family The relationships are being restored. He's got a huge amount of them right here supporting him today. We're super grateful you all are here. And even bigger than that, he has been chosen to lead one of these men's homes and has recently been promoted to a house manager within our ministry. I'm super grateful to know you, buddy. Come on up here, guys. I want to introduce you to Justin
2: Clusag. morning church man it's such a blessing to be here with you um, uh, like Lance said and Devin has said and reiterated um, nothing unique or special about us just the fact that heard the calling and uh, just became obedient um, major portion of my life I wasn't obviously but uh, I want to start out first on a little lighter note um, how about those Eagles yeah. Yeah. And the ones that didn't clap, you'll just have to forgive me because Jesus said you have to. So, uh, <laughs> um, um, and, and God does answer prayers, obviously, because I prayed to him ever since last year this time, don't let Tom Brady ever win another Super Bowl. <laughs> so we got that going for us. Um, um, but another thing, um, kind of in this program of recovery, you kind of learned that um, pain shared is pain lessened. And uh, I've got a story for you about bristow oklahoma um seventh grade um track come to a track meet here in bristow oklahoma and uh you know we always want some recognition when we do something good or you know something that deserves recognition and so i win uh, i win the 100 meter dash sprint and uh yeah i'm just waiting for my name to be called and everything i'm sitting there with my dad and i'm like when are they going to call out the winners you know and uh they go third place you know and they go second place John Smith and they first place Justin Kalsack <laughs> fortunately that's not my name um, so that hurt guys that hurt but i've i've since gotten over it and and moved on but uh man i just want to start with um just That song really resonated with me. You know, what a powerful name it is um, that nothing could stand against. Um, No shame, no guilt, no immorality, um, no sin, and death. I mean, it's all been defeated. And uh, for a great portion of my life, my childhood, I was engulfed in sports. It didn't matter what it was, if it was competitive, and there was a trophy at the end of it, um, I was pretty much involved and uh, dead set on it. So, I um, grew up playing ball. I grew up in a, in a church family, in a church home. Um, uh, great brothers and sisters all around me, supporting me, parents that supported me, all kinds of family. I've got many of them here right now. Um, but we'll kind of just fast forward to kind of the, some of the turmoil and some of the oppression that happened in my life. There was a lot of uh, emotional distress that came about in about my high school years. Um, I was active on the football team basketball, baseball, you name it, and uh, about high school, um, I was in a very toxic relationship with a young woman that led to um, a pretty big event that happened, and um, with that, I, uh, I shut myself out from being able to really feel and open up about um, my emotions and my feelings. I, couldn't, I felt like I didn't have anyone to really talk to that could relate to me, and even if I did come to the point where I shared with them, it was definitely going to uh, cause me even more pain um, by being beaten, so I kind of just held all that in, I suppressed it, um, I had given my life to Christ at 12 years old, and um, I, didn't, I didn't flourish the way... Um, you're supposed to after you're on the spiritual, I stayed on the spiritual milk for way too long, how about that, and um, my uh, my faith just didn't flourish and take off because of myself, um, putting God in a box, um, being hesitant about the calling that he had, I would get to a point where like, okay, yeah, you, you've done a good job, now it's, now it's my turn, I'll take it over from here, you know, and then you fall flat on your face time and time again doing that, but Basically, um, I get through high school, and, and addiction didn't really start affecting my life until after I graduated. And like I said, some of those events that happened throughout high school, um, where uh, were just gasoline to the fire for addiction. And uh, I was going to isolate and shut myself off. I was going to justify my reasonings. Um, I I pretty much didn't partake in like the party scenes and everything, but. The way it got me was that there was a bottle that had a name on it and that that was a lot more justifiable than going out and getting something from the streets per se so um that's where it got me um injuries with sports i go to college and play ball and uh it starts out just you know numbing the pain to to perform physically and it came to a time where that was done with. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't needing to physically perform anymore, and it was just an on and off battle, walking away from it, trying to do it on my own, just self-reliance and um, kind of that self-will. And you know there'd be stretches of sobriety throughout that time, and uh, but it, would, it was never over. It was never completed, it was never finished, and uh, something would always bring me back to it. And for the longest time, um, basically through my entire 20s um, up until this point. Um, I didn't know what that would was. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, I just knew that there was something different with my situation. Like, there's no way that um, I'm doing these things that I know I don't want to do um, anymore. But the physical aspect of it was gone and then i started kind of realizing the emotional turmoil that was built up through the relationship that i had and the events that occurred and that i had never come out and, and really talked to anybody about it and uh i hid that guilt and shame and i kept bearing it deeper and deeper and uh with that it came back every single time um heavier and harder than before and uh So I basically go through my 20s um, fighting that on and off, um, thinking that, you know, it was something about willpower. It was something that I could do. And uh, basically, that's kind of the storyline for my addiction. But what I really want to uh, hit on here is um, what Jesus has done since just being obedient and surrendering to the fact that I am not self-reliant anymore anymore. And it's about self-denial, really. Um, he tells us in Luke nine that um, basically, if you want to follow after Him, you, you're coming to be put to death. You know, you're putting you're, you're putting that self-fulfillment away. It's about self-denial, and it's about picking up your cross daily and following after Him. And so, He's brought me through this process during recovery, where He's presented Himself um, through a house of men that I get to grow with, and that get to pour into my life, and that I get to in turn pour into them, and I probably get more out of it than they do a lot of the times. Um, But I just know the day back in basically last April where I was kind of at the end of my rope, and um, you're kind of faced with a little bit of desperation, which is sometimes what we need. And uh, I knew he was always there for me, but like I said, I've always tried to take control in some aspect in some fashion in my life and uh, so I basically just uh, a new confusion had crept into my life and that despair and I knew that that wasn't of God and uh, I was just kind of I was tired of it I was sick and tired of the sick and tired and I just called out and I just said God do whatever it takes like I'm willing and you know he knows our hearts but it's one thing to just tell him that you know my heart but it's another thing to actually be open with him and tell him like I'm willing to do something different now perhaps everything and that's what it was for me it was to do everything different this time and uh, it wasn't about what i could do it was it was about just being willing to just take that step that he lights up right in front of me and what he did is just remarkable i uh i actually signed up to get into a treatment center and uh, it had been maybe three or four weeks all through may and you know, and the enemy just strikes. You know, he starts coming back, going, you know, you you don't need that. Like you can do it. You know, you're a big boy, whatever. Um, but and it even works through some family members. They're just like, you know, you're you're strong-willed. You know, we we know that you're strong and everything, and we know that you can do it and stuff. And then you start going, oh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, that's right. I done it before. It didn't last, but this time it will. That's how that's how the sick mind works, like that. You know, and so basically. um, Comes about four weeks later, kind of just an irrelevant thought, kind of just signed up a month ago, and uh, kind of pretty much passed, and uh, get a call that they have a spot open. And we were actually up in Tulsa when we got the call, and um, my mom was like, hey, great news, you know, God has answered a prayer, and we can get you in and everything. And the reality of the situation is that I was back to that disobedient thinking after calling out and saying do whatever it takes I'm right back to the to the flesh speaking again and I just and I was like you're crazy if you think I'm going Um, you might as well just drop me off underneath that bridge right there when you head out of town because I'm not going to do it and so I storm off and have my little temper tantrum you know and I go outside and um, I'm sitting there and I just said God if this is you this is you, and this is what you want from me, I'll do it, and basically every hair on my body stood up, and instantly I stood up, and I walked straight back into the room, and I said, let me have the phone, I'll call, so we call, and uh, they get they get me a spot open, and I ended up being there um, the day after, and that was June four, June 15th, whenever I went in, and uh I did 28 days in a treatment center, and I met um, a guy that was uh, like-minded in his faith. Um, Jesus Christ was his source, um, he was the center, and we formed a bond instantly the first day we met, about my fourth day in there, and uh, about two weeks in, you know, I knew that I had to do something different, and I mean, I had to change everything. So. I'm in there, and I'm not really worried about what's going on, on the outside. I know my family knows that I'm okay, and I'm safe, and so that's to the extent that I was really worried about things on the outside. I knew that I really needed um, to recenter my focus on Christ at this time, and um, really get things back together that I had been missing, and so... I do that and I meet this guy and we are just studying the Bible every night while we're there and just really good talks and I'm learning that I can talk about things that I've gone through that have just hindered my progress and so I'm learning that I'm learning how to process things and I'm learning all digging up things that I didn't even know I had buried and I'm just kind of like wow, a lot of those things I really never even came face to face with I always just kept burying them deeper and deeper with addiction and uh, so about my second weekend, he tells me about, um, this place, it's a sober living, Hope is Alive, well, then there comes Justin again, going, I don't do, so, I don't even know what sober living is, I mean, at this time, I don't even know what recovery is, and, uh, so, it's definitely not a part of the plan for me, um, so, I'm just like, that's cool, man, whatever that is, and, uh, and then he starts talking about, what are you going to do whenever you leave here, and that was, a uh, that was God working again. Uh, I had a visual picture of nothing. And so I was like, well, maybe maybe this is something I need to look into. And then he, it comes out more prevalent. He tells me about his time there. And, and uh, so I was like, okay. So we check it out. I'm in with my count, counselor one day. And I was just like, hey, why don't we just fill out this application and send it in? Zach said that, you know, hope is alive sober living. stuff. she's like, oh, yeah. So I send it in. And the next day I get sick. And so, like, I'm in bed all day. And Devin calls, and uh, they come to wake me up, and they saw that I was actually sleeping, and so they just kind of let me be. Well, then the next day, she tells me that they called, and I was like, what? I was like, I need to call him back. And so call him, and Devin starts interviewing me. he starts going, you know, well, we got four guys on the waiting list, and uh, we're already moving a bed in for Zach to come, to come in. And so, and I was like, that's fine. And I was just like, really? I, at this point, I'm not really worried about it. I was like, God's going to put me where he wants me. And uh, I just, you know, obviously I hope that it's with you guys, it's a Christian ministry, that's something I know I need in my life, I need that accountability, I need that focus, I need that brotherhood, I mean, I could go on and on, but, so, uh, Devin goes, well, I'll tell you what, you can get the deposit to me next week, whenever we come get Zach, he was like, um, or he said, no, what did you say, you said, he said, what do you think uh, God's leading you to, and I said, well, Sometimes it's not real clear, but I don't think that there's a coincidence that Zach had told me about Hope is Alive. And that's something that I'm very interested in everything. And, and he said, oh, I tell you what, I'm coming to pick up Zach next week. If you need a deposit, he was like, um, "He was like, how about, how about we just uh, make you roommates? And so I was just like, that's perfect, you know. And so since coming into Hope is Alive, the following week after that, I have um, been just on... You know this journey with these men that's been awesome. Um, in September, we started discipleship with one of the local pastors in Broken Arrow. Um, it's taken my shallowed Christianity deeper and deeper ever since. Um, just having having someone pour into our lives, and in turn, I get to pour into other men's lives in the house on what we're learning, and uh, it's just been phenomenal. Like I can't, I can't really explain it. We get to see, we get to see God move through you guys. We get to see His hand at work and touching and blessing our ministry, and in turn, we can do, we can do things for community. Um, we're just thankful for the opportunity. Um, we're thankful for you guys um, saying yes to to God as well. I mean, we have to do it together. It's a joint, it's a joint adventure, and uh, it's such a blessing. I could go on and on about Hope is Alive and what it's done, but. To spare you a couple hours, um, I'll pass it off. Thank you guys.
0: Great job. Great job. Here's what here's what I learned from Justin that I think applies to all of us. On the other the enemy always wants to stop us from walking into a situation where we where we will find breakthrough. You with me? Nod your head. He will put up anything he possibly can in our spirits to keep us from entering into that place where on the other side is freedom. It's peace. It's breakthrough. And that's what he did for you, but you broke through it. God gave you the strength, and this is the fruit of that. What I see this taking place most prevalently in what we do is actually our work with moms and dads. The enemy wants to keep moms and dads shamed to silence. Are you with me? When their sons and daughters are hurting, when their spouses are hurting and stuck in addiction. He wants to keep you chained up in your home, not telling anyone, not exposing the truth of what's going on in your life, and keeping you in bondage. Telling you that people will think you're a bad parent. People will shame you. People will think you've done something wrong. Those are all things of the enemy. I'm here to tell you, step into breakthrough. Ask for some help. There is help available. I left it on the ground right there, but there's a blue book back there on our table called Finding Hope. It's a book that my mom and dad wrote together with me, and it's incredible. It's the best book I have because my mom wrote most of it, okay? And I'm being very serious. If you are struggling with someone in your life, or you know someone who's struggling, or you have a family member, an aunt or an uncle or sister who has addiction in their family with their child, please pick up that book, and if you can't buy it, just tell us. We'll give it to you for free. It's a very important resource for you, and we want to be a resource to you as church partners. Thank you, Justin, so much for coming and sharing your heart. Men and women, you know it's not easy to get up here, right, and tell all your deepest, darkest secrets. Thank you so much for bringing us to this place today. One thing that is really important a part of Hope is Alive is that we are always looking forward. We're trying to grow and stretch ourselves and reach our dreams. Today in this short video I want to tell you a little bit about how we're doing that. When I was using, I I didn't really have a vision for my life. I didn't have dreams. I was scared to dream because I was scared to fail. I could only see what was out in front of me, and
3: if I attained that, I was lucky. Um, so I didn't even try to dream big. So
4: when I was using, I was a thief, I was a liar, was
0: untrustworthy. My parents couldn't even look me in the eyes without being disappointed. I
3: was a liar, a cheat, a poor husband, I was a poor son, a disappointing father, I was a very angry man. Uh, I was lost, and the best way to describe all of it put, and, uh, put together was I was in pure misery in my addiction.
1: It was very selfish,
3: um, very self-centered, um, very manipulative, would do
1: about anything that I could think of uh, to benefit myself and um, things that pertained to me and that could have a positive impact on my life uh, with no regard to anybody else.
4: I got to a place where all I really did was just get high and pass out. Live a very non-existent life really. I felt dead for a long time. I didn't have dreams. I actually didn't dream for a solid four years. Everything was shattered um, when I became addicted to drugs uh, because I had to drop out of college
1: and I just grew further and further away from my dreams and further
0: and further away from Christ. Uh, honestly, my dream was just to be normal. I didn't really know who I was, so I didn't know who I wanted to be. At that point, the only dream that I had was the
4: day that I woke up and decided to go to rehab. I guess um, that I didn't have dreams anymore to speak of until um, I actually got my emotional sobriety and uh, moved into HIA and I started feeling like there was something for me. I've
1: been surrounded by great mentors and leaders and uh, they've done nothing but be a shining example of what you can get out of sobriety.
3: Today to be clean and sober and to be able to dream, um, it's crazy. It's a good feeling, it's empowering to be able to know that, that I have a future today. My name is Stephanie, and this is my dream, um, to have my kids back, to have a husband one day.
0: My name is Samantha, and this is my dream. I want to have a house, I want a family. You know, God's laid it on my heart to write books, which I've
4: started already.
3: I'm Chad, and this is my dream. Sometime in the near future. And I plan on taking a road trip with my wife. And going to the state of Florida, Destin, Florida, where we will be laying out on the beach and we'll have our own house.
1: My name is Blake, and this is my dream. You know, I want to get to the point where I'm, I'm debt free, I don't believe in debt.
4: My name is Katiana, and this is a little map of my dreams today. I dream to have a family one day to finish my degree in school.
0: My name is Leah and these are my dreams. My dreams are of a diploma from OU. I studied at OU. I've always wanted to go to OU. It was the only college I ever applied to. And um, so I am hoping to get that
4: diploma and pull my tassel to the other side. My name is Cindy and these are my dreams. This is me at some um, nice paying job uh, with benefits, perks, the whole thing.
1: My name is Dylan and these are my dreams. At the top left, we have Florida. Um, I'm very close to my mother, and she recently moved to Florida. So my, one of my main dreams is to be reconnected with her. My name
0: is Zach Schimmer, and these are my dreams. At the center, we got the cross, because um, you know I, I feel like Christ needs to be at the center of my life and at the center um, of all my dreams.
4: My name is Amanda, and these are my dreams. Here I am teaching um professionals in the field of addiction, how to spot early warning signs um, of people that are already addicted to drugs and alcohol.
0: My name is Luke and these are my dreams. My dream is to own my own small business, um, old company and have my own old wells. I have a future today. Today I definitely have a dream for my life and it's possible for me to dream.
3: And because of HIV, I can now drink today.
4: It is because of Hope is Alive that I have these dreams.
0: Hope is Alive has given me, has put me back to the person I always knew I could be. Hope is Alive has helped me dream again.
1: HIA helped me by giving me hope. Hope is Alive has definitely given me back my ability to dream.
4: love that video. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? I am so grateful to be here with all of you today. Thank you for having us. Um, Thank you for allowing us to share our hearts and our vision for the future. Um, We are growing as a ministry, and it is really exciting. Eight homes, soon to be nine, and an incredible group of residents to start our, our new Tulsa market with us um, I'm going to be very brief, guys, but I want to share with you how incredible our God is and how radically he has changed my life and the lives of everyone that I live with. Um, I'm originally from St. Petersburg, Russia. For the first five and a half years of my life, I lived on the streets. Um, I was born to an alcoholic birth mom and I mean my my future is pretty dim you know if if you think about that Um, but as a little girl I knew there was a God for some crazy reason in my heart of hearts I just I felt his presence Um, I didn't have a relationship but I had this belief and because of that belief, um, God made a way for me to get adopted when I was about six and a half years old by this awesome American couple. And I was brought to America where my life radically changed for the very first time. Um, growing up, I had, a, I had a great childhood. I did well in school. I loved being a part of a team, so I played sports growing up. Um, and, you know, I had everything that I could possibly ever need or want. Um, my family and I moved around quite a bit for my dad's work and we finally landed in Tulsa Oklahoma and prior to Tulsa I knew nothing of drugs um, I knew a little bit about alcohol that you know that's pretty socially acceptable but drugs no knowledge whatsoever and what happened was I was um, going to this huge high school in Katy Texas and I moved to this tiny little school in Tulsa where it became very obvious that everyone around me was using some sort of substance. So as you can imagine, it didn't take me long to make friends with the wrong people, meet the wrong young man, you know, start an unhealthy relationship with this young man. And I started out with marijuana and alcohol in late high school. Um, and when I started college at Texas Christian University, that's when my illness really progressed. I started using cocaine and other substances. And guys, as my relationship with my high school sweetheart became more toxic um, and abusive, so my illness became worse. I started um, I started doing pain pills like OxyContin. And it wasn't long before I became... Um, an IV drug user with heroin and meth. Um, I know that seems pretty drastic, but during this time, you know, my my parents have gotten divorced. Um, there's a lot of family turmoil. I've, I mean, depression has definitely sunk in because I've dropped in and out of college, and I'm just lost, um, and and very confused. You know, you just saw this incredible video about dreams, and I thought I had dreams, but I really didn't. I, I didn't know much about what that looked like for me. What I really want to do today is I want to paint you a picture of the person that I became, because you know today I have I have nice things. Um, I just got my license back. Um, God is blessing me left and right, but here is here's a picture of what I looked like um, just a couple years ago. So I'm living in um, nope. <laughs> I just—I am getting evicted from an apartment in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, the young man um, who I have this toxic, abusive relationship with—he is staying. He was staying with me at this apartment, and he was robbing my neighbors. Um, church, I'm a junkie at this point. You know, there's there's not a single hour of the day that doesn't go by where my sole purpose of life is to find what I need, get high. Um, And then just repeat that cycle. Um, I'm incredibly thin. I don't shower. You know, that's not on the top of my priorities. Um, I'm driving under a suspended license. I have stolen someone else's tags and put it on my vehicle. Um, I have drugs in in my possession. And I'm driving from gas station to gas station, just getting high. Um, my life is an absolute mess Um, this young man I ended up getting a protective order against but needless to say um, God worked a miracle on on this specific day as I was just living a you know meaningless purpose purposeless life I end up getting pulled over by an officer and and this is what is going to bring me to recovery I go to jail and by this point, you know, I've burnt every single bridge in my family, with friends, and I call my dad for the millionth time saying, I need help, I'm in jail. Um, and he says, well, how does rehab sound? At this point, I think it sounds great. Um, in my active addiction, I really didn't believe recovery was possible. I had um, a few friends come up to me and say hey I've got a few months clean and sober and I would laugh in their faces because I just I didn't believe it I didn't find that to be a possibility um, well I hang up the phone with my dad and I sit in jail for three days and I think well there's no reason for my dad to help me this time you know my life is a wreck I have legal and financial problems um, I've lied and stolen and cheated and just my sin was great. Um, but three days later, my dad and my stepmom drove all the way from Texas. They bailed me out. And I was surprised. I really, when I walked out of jail that day, I thought, who bailed me out? You know, I mean, it couldn't possibly be my dad, <laughs> but it was. And they drove me straight to a treatment center in, Valley, in Cushing, Oklahoma, called Valley Hope. And I went to, um, I stayed the full 30 days there, and then I transitioned into a women's facility in Henrietta because I was recommended more treatment, which I, f- I happily embraced. I knew I needed help. And by the time that I ended up in jail, I was completely broken. And I reached out to God um, that last time asking him for help, and this is how he helped me. You know, he just kept opening doors for me to accept that help, and I continued to say yes, and that is what has brought me here today, is just saying yes. I love what Justin shared about obedience, because that's the name of the game, you know. Um, So after that second treatment, uh, I had heard about Hope is Alive, and this was a real blessing, because guys, four months in rehab, and you know, I've... I've been to some college, I was raised well, but with this illness, when you go through any you know, of the extremes that it has to offer, y- you can't comprehend facing the rest of your life clean and sober, alone. And I knew I needed a team, a support group, a family to do this journey with. Um, and that is exactly what Hope is Alive is is for me, and I, I know in my heart that it is a family and a support group for all these wonderful ladies and men. Um, so I ended up in Hope is Alive, and it is like a family. I mean, we, we eat together, we sleep together, we go bowling together, do all sorts of fun stuff, and we grow together. So that means there's, you know, some challenges and some trials there, but we're, we're doing it together, and that makes all the difference. Um, after seven months at Hope is Alive, I became a house manager, and this is really where my growth and my maturity took flight. I am just so honored to do life with these incredible people, because like Lance mentioned, they're people, you know. We have some scary pasts, but we're just broken and lost like the rest of the world, and we're seeking, you know, that, that comfort and that peace and strength through Christ. Um, and... So, being a house manager is, is, in, is an incredible responsibility and an honor. Um, about s- six months ago, I was um, asked to join our staff at Hope is Alive, and this this is where my dreams came true. Because that video didn't show it, but on my little poster board, it says um, it has a picture of me uh, teaching recovery to some ladies, and that's that's just a huge passion of mine. Um, in my sobriety, I've I have quit a job due to the unhealthiness um, of my work environment, and when I when I took that leap of faith, God just opened this opened another door for me to do what I really really wanted, and I couldn't have gotten here without being obedient, without trusting. Um, so it's been an incredible journey. Um, December twelfth, we opened up our first women's home in Tulsa. Just like Devin and Lance have mentioned. And within a month's time, it filled up. I mean, the need is so great in Oklahoma. Something I'd like to point out is, in our state, 4% of women make it to long-term recovery. That is just, I mean, that takes my breath away and breaks my heart to know that such a small percentage of women actually get this opportunity you know, to have radical life change and to come to know Jesus like this. So we are just incredibly honored and grateful for your support. Um, I have the best group of ladies that I could have ever hoped for with me here today, and I really hope that each of you gets a chance to say hello as we're out in the lobby um, after our service today, Um, but... Super honored to be here and thank you for letting me share. Uh, We look forward to meeting you guys some more out in the lobby. Thank you guys.
0: Awesome. I'm going to wrap up real quick. Aren't these folks incredible, though? Um, Absolutely. Give them a round of applause. I hear it all the time and I could keep hearing more stories because every single one of them over here has an incredible, phenomenal story. And, and a couple of things that I think were general themes, right, if you want to take away from this, saying yes, right, being obedient to what God's called you to do and, and where he's called you to be. Those are things for all of us, right? And, and here's what I want to leave you with is this really clear picture As you're reading through the New Testament, and I challenge you to do that tonight in some gospels, and you're reading miracles, and you're wondering, is God still doing miracles on earth today? Your answer should be unequivocally, yes. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ radically changing human beings, turning them into new creations. I'm gonna start preaching. I'm just excited about this. That's what you just witnessed. Is the gospel still at work? Amen, it is. We just got to witness it today. Our sin is great. His love is greater. Amen? Our sin is great. His love is greater. That's what we evidence today. Our sin is great. His love is greater. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to just be a witness to what you're doing in the lives of these men and women. Thank you, Father, for what you have provided for Hope is Alive. And thank you for generous hearts of the people of First Baptist Bristow that continue to support us and love on us and and give us the ability to continue to radically change the lives of addicted Oklahomans. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.